by repeating that self to me when I do go into a space of insecurity or if I go into a space of what value do I have to add here or I go into a space of what are they thinking about me all of those is based on a lack of respect for yourself mm. and so if you engineer self-respect and, and engineer self-love uh, um, you arrive with the energy to engineer conversations and engineer friendships that you are not a victim of, but actually the creator of. Welcome to the Expansive Podcast, where we explore the frontiers of personal growth, business innovation, and technology. We believe that growth and progress come from expanding our minds, exploring new possibilities, and embracing change. Welcome to the Expansive Podcast. I'm coming in live, actually not live. I'm coming in recorded <laughs> from Colorado, Denver, and uh, just finished an event here and loving it. Love America so much uh, in pockets, I imagine is the best way to say it, like every country. And I'm always joined by my ever handsome co-pilot, Eric Kruger. What's happening down there in Cape Town, Eric? Hey, brother, man. I'm all good. I'm good. Are you, are you still coming down off the high of uh, EOGLC? You know, it feels like it happened years, years ago because I've been traveling and I've been in brand new. I've met so many new people. So I can't even remember GLC, to be honest, but <laughs> GLC was epic. It was epic. Thank you, Hannah and Marcella. Thank you to everybody on that team. We had such a great time. Um, yeah, we really loved it. That was fantastic. Six, yeah. 6,000 people online, 1,600 people live and such excited energetic people you know it's entrepreneurs organization so it wasn't just uh just the numbers of people just really amazing people how was it for you Eric? yeah i loved it and I, I loved the pod you know we were able to take the pod uh to the stage for glc and it was so awesome man we had 20 minutes and it flew by with like the blink of an eye like i thought we were just settling into the conversation and then we were like done oh by the way like podcast uh ending now I think in your, I was in the middle of a sentence. You're like, John, I think we're done. I'm like, what? What, what do you mean? That's 20, 20 minutes so quickly. Okay. I was watching that timer, dude. And every time I turned my head, it was just like six minutes gone. Flying Five minutes by. gone. I was like, yeah. whoa, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but it was, it was absolutely phenomenal. It was great to be there. Like you said, you know, this is a, the, uh, it's part of the challenging kind of world we find ourselves in where remote is so great. Like it's so accessible. It's so... You know, from and this is from a working point of view, from a conference point of view, um, it's great to be able to record content, see it later, watch on demand, whatever. Uh, but there's also just like this energy that comes from being at a conference and being around other people and having all of that um, kind of infuse you and inspire you. So I, definitely Ford, I think the they did it right in that it, it has to be the blend. You have to have both. Um, but I, you you do miss out if you don't get to these events in person. Absolutely, yeah, it was great, and it, and there's not very many brands in the world that do it like EO does it. You know, maybe oh, for sure. Know, I don't yeah, know what yeah. other brands there are, but so they really did it on a global scale. My friends at Impact Eleven shared it on the Impact Eleven uh, website, uh, not website, sort of like chat, and uh, a lot of a lot of people from from Impact Eleven were like, "Wow, that's one of the biggest stages in the world. Well done." And it really is, you know, genuinely, it's one of the one of the better ones. And you know, I I, I want to give you a big kudos. You said something on our podcast interview that's really done fantastically well on the EO organization's Instagram page, 
And uh, that is exactly what we're going to be doing our podcast today. And it's all about practice. But I think even step further, the engineering of a practicing life. And there's many different ways we can think about practice and engineering. And I think the best thing to do for today's pod is for you to kick off with what you said and why it was so profound and uh, did exceptionally well, like I said, on social media for, they posted that thing straight after we got on stage because it was that yeah. Um And so, yeah, just tell us what that was and let's get into today's pod. Hey, it's me, Sean, producer of The Expansive Podcast. Do you find yourself sharing the pod with friends and colleagues? We know that you love learning with the guys, but did you know you can book John Sonnet or Eric Kruger, or why not book them both to deliver a keynote for your team or organization? Email us at training at theexpansive.com. One more time, that's training at theexpansive.com. Back to the episode. Yeah, awesome. so uh, context for what we were speaking about on the day was around how do we cultivate uh, modern leadership? How do we help leaders to be more courageous in the world that they find themselves in? How do we help them to elevate the way that they show up? And so we were talking about, um, obviously, you know, I, I'm very much into teams and helping teams perform better. And often what you'll see when you look at, uh, you know, whether it's books or articles, is that we like to compare our business teams to our sports teams. And of course, there are many similarities, but one of the biggest mistakes we make is to think that uh, these teams are equal in terms of how they show up, and they're not. And the biggest reason for that is that sports teams spend 99% of their time practicing, training, uh, figuring out how to uh, get the most out of the team. And then they spend 1% of their time actually performing, actually doing the thing. Like that, like all their time practicing during the week and Saturday for an hour, they are playing the game. Whereas when, when we look at our, our business teams, we spend no time training, no time practicing. We are always straight into performance, doing the work. And we actually, I think we see training as an inconvenience that when we have to step back <laughs> yeah. and, and think of how do we do things better, we actually see this as something that gets in the way of how we want to show up. Um, so that's kind of the, uh, and, and you know, I, I was just thinking that when we do our build better teams assessment with teams, 70% of them tell us they don't have time for learning and development. 70% don't have like a regularly scheduled time. So that just tells us again, no time spent, well, well sports teams, most time spent in practice, Sometimes spend performance, business teams all the time spend performance, almost no time spent in training and practice. So that's kind of the tee up, and I'd love to hear that, where we go from here. Yeah, that there there is just so many permeations around this in every sure. aspect of our lives, you know. And this one quote always comes to mind is that anybody who does anything extraordinary in the world that spends an enormous amount of time by themselves. And it's just because you have to cultivate yourself, your thinking, your processes, the world you want to be living in, and then engineering yourself towards that world. And, you know, often people will say, you know, I don't like the conversations I'm in. I don't like the job I'm working in, or I don't like um, just generally how my life is moving. So I don't have enough uh, socializing. I my friends all talk about negative things or 
you know, my friends all drink or whatever the case may be. And you realize that many times when we're saying that, if not all the time, is we haven't spent any time engineering the life we want. We are victims to the life we have. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll come away from family events and we'll be like, oh my God, I can't hang around with my family at all. They just talk about crap and I can't do it anymore. And my question back to you is, did you engineer a different conversation? Did you ask a question that could steer them into a new way? And other people will say, well, you know, I, um, I feel lonely and I, you know, I don't have any friends and I socialize. Well, did you arrange a party and invite people? Did you engineer some socializing? And so if you think about it and take this into the context of work, it's like work's so terrible, the culture's so bad, we don't know what's going on. Well, where did you start to engineer some parts of that? And there was a great line that says, when you complain about being in the traffic, you are the traffic. Which means that you are complaining about yourself. Like, there's so much traffic. Well, then what are you doing in the traffic, adding so much noise to it? Why, why don't you engineer your time differently? And so I think that that idea about practice is just so profound. And I think if we are able to give it new language and to give it more focus, we are then able to sustain, cultivate, and curate more of a practicing life and be okay with the fact that we actually need to be the engineers of the life we want to lead and not just be victims of it. So I think that's the that's where I wanted to take the pod and, and just unpack ways that you think engineering, better leadership, better teams, better organizations, and I'll move into better personal hygiene, better social hygiene, all based around practicing before you get to the event, just like all the sports stars do, putting in the right sort of terms and sentences and questions, and then moving in with an arsenal of an engineering mindset so you can actually uplift, inspire, and move the conversation in whichever way you want to in a very subtle way where people don't even know you're doing it. Mm. Sure. There's a lot to, also much to say about that. So uh, I think firstly, what comes to mind for me when you talk about it in this context is that I've always loved the fact that practice has two different ways of thinking about it. That there is the practice that we do before we do the work. And we've actually spoken about the work we do before the work and then the work you do yes, after yes, the work. Yes. You know, we've, so yes, I don't know what, yeah. which part that was, but um, that was a good one to go listen to as well. Um, and so the work you do before the work is, is practicing. It is that, you know, you have to put in the reps so that when you go and do the work, you're going to do it well. And so for us in our context, that might mean practicing our lines, practicing transitions, making sure that you know the flow of the presentation, those kind of things. Um, but then there's also the practice, which is the practice of meditation, the practice of journaling, which is like, it's the discipline. It's the, it's me sitting down to actually do the thing. Right. But it's, a um, I'm trying to think how to best articulate it. That isn't, that isn't practicing. It's a practice. It's something that I do. Does that make sense to you? Yes. 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 I'm trying to think how to, how to best articulate that. So are you, are you, are you, the, what are you saying is, oh, you need to plan for the practice and then do the practice. I think what I'm trying to say is there is the time that we spend improving and, and working on tasks for a specific outcome down the line. 
And then there's just the practice, the, the habit that I cultivate over time of doing that and, and having that into specific disciplines in my life. So having the practice of writing and the, it's not just the, yeah, the practice of meditation, uh, the practice of asking those kind of questions. It's become instilled in my life. That's actually, that's where we're going with this is that practicing is, um, I'm rehearsing, I'm getting into the groove of it. The practice is when it's been cultivated. Now it's become a, a deeper set into my life and I can go in and execute on that in my daily life. I have the practice of asking these engaging questions. I have the practice of noticing that I'm feeling down and doing something to change my, my state of mind. Does that land? And we can all see that we haven't practiced this podcast because we keep uh, trying to figure it out in this process, yeah. which is great yeah. because what we're thinking here is we're unpacking the process of thinking about engineering a life and like how much time do we put into engineering the life rather than reacting to the life and then complaining about the life we're reacting into. And so, yes, the meditation becomes a part of your personality. It becomes part of what you do, but you had to understand it, engineer it, put it into an initial habit that was very tough that you didn't really want to do. And then eventually now it becomes part and parcel of who you are. And in fact, if you don't do it, it becomes weird. So if you don't start your meetings with a check-in, with cell phones away, with that's a weird thing because now you're changing the tonality of how you show up and how your organization shows up, you know? So Again, it all comes down to realizing that your future, your personality is based on how you think and how you think is based on your behaviors and how your behaviors are set up on by your habits and your habits are based on your rituals and your rituals, habits, behaviors, and life are an engineering practice that you actually need to think about and put into play. And so that's, that's really what it is. And so for me, one of the things that's really become very clear and I keep getting sort of complimented about it is the engineering of listening well and asking better questions and then engineering a conversation that allows the person to think about things they haven't thought about before and to leave the conversation improved with a new potential for themselves. Now, I do this at work. I do this in my social circles. I do it with my relationships, because I think it's important to leave people better than you found them without them thinking that you have really put some thought into thinking better listening better and creating a conversation better. But because I've been doing it for so many years, it's become so naturally instinctual to me that also I'm so allergic to rubbish when people talk. You're like, I'm so allergic to people, firstly, being optometrists, eye specialists that only speak about themselves, which bothers me, yeah. but also about them having totally no consciousness about bullying a conversation. And so when you take a hold of that conversation, hold of that briefing session, hold of that boardroom meeting, and you subtly start to engineer it in a way that you want, and I'm not talking about manipulative. Not at all, but I imagine you could be manipulative in a way, but this is really about creating an upward spiral of high energy. And in that state, what you do is you, you, you leave people better than you find, find them, you know? And so it comes down to practicing how you want to show up. Yeah, I love that. And I actually have a, a great story um, of, of how this played out for me because 
I think over time I've become quite good at doing, doing the same thing. And the reason why I've become good is because of my coaching background. Because uh, when, when I got into coaching initially, that's kind of what I thought coaching was about, is that it is helping people to uncover insights about themselves all the time. And once you start understanding coaching frameworks, all that, and you have a, you have a method or a, a model for how to guide a conversation to hopefully get someone to that point where they have insights. But I remember, so I, like it was like 2018, I just did all these uh, coaching courses. I was busy with my master's. And I was sitting with a friend and we were at uh, Doppio Zero. wasn't us because we also met at Doppio Zero in Rosebank a few times. We did. Uh, yeah. Not Rosebank, yeah. uh, Bryanston. Uh, but I was sitting with a friend there and we were having a conversation. And halfway through the conversation, he stopped me. It's like, it was like, he was, we, it was the start of the year conversation. It was January or so. And I was asking him all these questions, you know, what are your goals for the year? What are you going to like? Blah, blah, blah. Like lots of questions. And halfway through, he stopped me and he's like, uh, like, I'm not sure, is this like a, are we having a conversation as friends or is this a coaching session? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I realized that like my need for helping people, my need for wanting to create insight because it made me feel like um, there was a bit of an ego boost that came from being able to do that. Uh, my need for that became so big that I turned every conversation with friends into a coaching conversation. But I think it was the practice of that that over time became a lot more natural. And that today, yeah. when we have these conversations, yeah, subtle. it's yeah. subtle. Yeah. It's yeah. not ego-driven anymore. Um, but the the process of it, you know, and and the thing is, there are things to practice when it comes to this. To be able to paraphrase, to be able to help someone just think differently, and to uh, use their language, repeat it back at them, use their language, but with a slight twist, use their language with a different filter the practice of that over time becomes more naturally and therefore you have this output, but it is, it does take practice. And you might initially, when you start doing it, come across as a bit of a... Sound ass, like a coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, what do you, wait, I thought we were just meeting to, to talk about something <laughs> yeah. and now you're coaching me. What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Um, I think, I think very good. I think it's a great, it's a great understanding because you don't want to, you don't, you, the first thing you don't want it to seem rehearsed. That yeah. you, you've lost it there because you, you want it to seem like very natural. And I think as speakers, what you do is you're on stage making people in the audience feel like you've used that line for the first time. But like any rehearsal in any show, it's, I mean, not rehearsal, any show, you've rehearsed it, right? So it's like, a, so you've got to make it as natural as possible. So, that, so that, I think it's great that you brought that up. But I think if we step back a little bit and think about what engineers good conversations, it's engineered thought processes. And if we're coming into a conversation unsure of ourselves or unsure of what value we add, we don't have the, I guess, the, the, the split space to, to actually think about creating the conversation. So I'll give you an example. When you get into a new relationship, often what happens inside those relationships, and it's happened many times in my life, is one partner or the other says, so what are you thinking? And, and the, and what my response always is, is don't worry about what I'm thinking, focus on what you think. And the minute you focus on what you thinking, you are now taking control of your own power dynamic and you are insisting, intending and arrowing into reality, your thought, thoughts. Now, the minute you ask somebody, what are you thinking? You've given your power away because it's not relevant what you're thinking. It's not relevant what the other person's thinking. And that's going to impact the way you think, which is a loss of power. 
Now, if you think about going into a group of people or, you know, I don't know, whatever, you've got networking or you're going to a conference or something. If you're arriving with an internal dialogue that is not confident, not respectful for yourself, not clear in who you are, needing to prove something, you arrive not having the energy, the focus, just, just the skill to create a conversation that's uplifting. So I think practice, let's actually even step back and say, well, what is the practice of the internal dialogue that you have? And for me, a, a new practice that's really become very, very, very powerful for me in so many ways. And it happened about six weeks ago. I did a, a, a psilocybin ceremony. I told you about this offline. I don't know if we've spoken about it on the, on the pod. But the message I got from the ceremony was respect yourself more. And in that process, you respect and are more patient with the process itself. And in that way, you become more elegant in your approach to the world. And this term, I love you, to yourself, which is so important to say as often as you can, to give yourself the safety of yourself, and then to move that into the second level of I respect you, which has been an internal dialogue for me for the last six weeks. And I, I never thought the importance of that term respect you to yourself. But what's happened is that by repeating that self to me, when I do go into a space of insecurity, or if I go into a space of what value do I have to add here, or I go into a space of what are they thinking about me, all of those is based on a lack of respect for yourself. And so if you engineer self-respect and, and engineer self-love, uh, um, you arrive with the energy to engineer conversations and engineer friendships that you are not a victim of, but actually the creator of. And I think, so engineering and practicing is for me twofold, is what are you doing behind the scenes in your internal dialogue, firstly, then how are you putting that into a private practice for yourself? And then how are you coming out into the world after having trained like a superstar team, like any sports star team does, and then let the world see you? So you understand it's so layered and it's so important to give language to that process and then give yourself the opportunity and permission to be that internally and in private and then show up to the world. The world will react and echo to you in brand new ways. And it's happened to me because I'm like, it's such a big difference when just all I had to do was re respond to myself like that. And I said it in the pod a little while back, and this is the last piece I'll say on this is, the more you applaud yourself, the less applause you need from the world. And that is such a powerful idea is that you're desperate for world acknowledgement because you're not giving it to yourself. And when you start to give it to yourself, well, everything changes. Sure. I love that. I love that. Um, we all deal with this internal dialogue all the time. It, it's our constant companion. It never goes away. And unfortunately, I think we are often just so complacent with it we just sit back with it and allow it to run amok and we don't think about redirecting it and using it to our advantage and instead we are just listening the whole time being lambasted by it being like <laughs> the, the poor victim to what's happening but, in our heads <laughs> <laughs> michael salinger i think it was, it was not salinger michael singer from the book uh, untethered soul he says You've got this crazy housemate yeah. that doesn't shut the hell up. <laughs> and you can, you know, this crazy housemate can be crazy 
or can be uplifting. It can be a teammate or an adversary. And if you're in a high beta brainwave and you're in survival mode, it's an adversary because it's trying to keep you safe and alive. And you change your brainwaves, all of a sudden the internal dialogue becomes a friend. And you're like, oh my God, where's this person been the whole time? You know, um, and that ultimately, I think this is maybe one of the most important things then for people to go and practice is to notice what this internal dialogue is and then to put the things in place that's going to help you change that practice. And I mean, isn't that all change that to that dialogue? Um, especially because ultimately all that dialogue that happens in your head exactly to, I mean, we don't even need to continue this pod. I think if uh, Sean and Gerald just snip that like that 15 second <laughs> pod that you had there, yeah. um, that is the pod, which is that you notice that your internal dialogue isn't aligned with the outputs that you want to put into the world, with who you want to be in the world. Yes. You go through the practice of changing that dialogue and the practice of changing that dialogue is many things. It is noticing when it happens so you can change it in the moment. It is the meditation. It is the journaling. It is the coaching conversations. It is the many, many interventions that ultimately help us to change that dialogue. That when you then get to the the stage where you have to do the thing that you can do it and that you can do it confidently and that yes. you can be the version that you want to be. And I was, I was again listening to a, I think it was like an excerpt from Think and Grow Rich this morning. And again, like what did they always say? It's like, you want to act right now in this moment as if you are the person that you want to be, right? And that's ultimately the, the practice that you go through is to set you up to be that person. And to be that person right now in this moment can sometimes feel like you are a bit of an imposter, like it doesn't feel quite real to you. But even the practice of just trying to get into that state of mind is the part of the small tweaks that happen over time that when you, at some point, like maybe if you go and practice for the next week and you arrive like at the networking event and you go and have that conversation, you don't feel quite as confident yet. But you keep doing that because that's the thing with practicing. It doesn't stop. You're always practicing. You're always developing new practices that at some point this becomes deeper ingrained into who you are. And at some point you show up and you realize, oh, I'm not trying to be that person. I'm just that person. Yes, 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 exactly. Look, it's called uh, the, the river of change and it's called the refractory period. This is all from my Dr. Joe's studies. And the, the, when you've decided who you want to become, you then become aware of the old behaviors. Now you're crossing a river, the river of change. And as you're crossing the river of change, there's constant tides and water coming at you, which is your old version of yourself. And what you have to quite literally do, literally, is say, stop. That's not me anymore. That's not me anymore. And in that process of being, of being very strict with yourself, what you start to do is start to rewire. Start to rewire slowly, slowly. So if I feel insecure, I'm like, oh, don't forget, you respect yourself. Oh, yeah, yeah, I respect myself. And immediately what I do is I'm, I can, no, 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 I'm, not, I'm not going back to that old habit of speaking like that self about my, my, myself. I'm not got a new habit. And I keep doing that, keep doing that. And eventually it becomes this sort of concept. Now, I think, and maybe something to close off one. And, and, and this I learned in June last year in Mexico while I was doing my NCS training. And the, 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 the idea always was for me that I'm not successful enough. I need to become more successful. And I realized that was the idea I was putting out into the world. And I changed my internal dialogue to, I am incredibly successful. 
I am already in a five-star hotel in Mexico studying with one of the best teachers in the world. What part of this is not successful, John? Like, you are in the... Like, what Jeez, is more successful than this? The stories we tell ourselves, this? dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting there in a five-star yeah. hotel with... <laughs> I'm not successful enough. Like, come on, man. Wake up. Wake up. So, the idea is this. Is... And, and maybe just to sum up the pod from what you said, which was so awesome at EOGLC, you said you got to practice much more than perform. And it works so well with sports teams. And we all love the sports teams that do well. What have they done? They've practiced more. And so in your organizations and in your businesses and in your personal lives, in your internal dialogue, how are you practicing? What are you engineering? What messages are you giving yourself? How are you doing internal marketing? And your internal marketing is your internal communication system that your body can feel, your face can feel. And I remember when I used to have restaurants, my, my waiters, I used to say to my waiters, are you happy today? And you would say, yeah, yeah, I'm happy. I said, well, remind your face. <laughs> your face doesn't know you're happy. And it's exactly that. You know, people say, no, no, I'm happy. But your face is frowning, upset, yeah. angry. And next time you're walking around, driving around, look at people's faces. And, you, and their internal dialogue is shining through their internal faces. I mean, their internal dialogue shining through their faces, you know? So I think the whole pod's about engineering and really start to think about how you engineer the life that you want. Be as expansive as possible in the way you talk to yourself. And that really just bleeds out into every other aspect of your life, you know? So yeah, that's, that's me from the high mountains of Colorado. You want to close off anything there, Eric? No, no, I think, uh, thank you for bringing the topic to the pod today. Very timely topic because as we go into the new week, I think it's always a good time. Well, I mean, as we record this, when it goes out, I'm not sure, but um, it's always a good time to reflect on, am I doing the work before the work? Am I practicing? Am I developing practices that are consistently helping me become who I want to be? And very often you might find that you've kind of just slid back into very old and and complacent patterns that actually get you nowhere. So this part is a call to action as well for you to go and reevaluate and reanalyze what those practices look like in your life. Very good. Thank you everybody for listening to the pod again this week and welcome to all our new listeners. Our numbers are growing exponentially. We're so very happy about that. If you know somebody that could use this uh, pod, which I think it could be a lot of people because a lot of people have terrible internal dialogues, please do share it with them. Uh, we would love to get into the top 2% of most shared pods on Spotify. We cracked the 5%. It would be great to be in the top two. And, you know, it really is just a journey that Eric and I are having with ourselves. And as we evolve and elevate and learn, it's really our deepest joy and fascination to share it with you. So thank you for being on this journey with us. And until next week, be expensive. Ciao.